Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com slash sorgatronmedia. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod, iPhone, or MP3 player. I'm getting awesome! You're getting awesome! We're getting awesome! Yeah, that's what I said now! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It's the Awesome Cast this week, where we uh, talk about everything we find awesome in, in throughout the week in the news and whatnot. Bear with me. I got some new monitoring stuff. There's a little bit of delay. It's driving me absolutely insane, so we're going to work through it. Uh, but joining me as usual, uh, back to his old-timey ways, it's Mr. Rob De La Creta right here joining us. How you doing this week, sir? Hello, sir. I, I'm also uh, I'm fishing around for a monocle and a top hat. If anyone has it, I want to complete the look. A monocle and a top hat. Now your mustache looks fantastic so far. <laughs> I mean, look at look at the curl in that thing. I know there isn't even wax in it right now. It's kind of just doing its own thing. It's going to be all natural. It's it. That'll be fantastic. I'm pretty excited. I, I think I might do a uh, a Gangs of New York uh, Halloween costume. <laughs> awesome. You you actually would probably be uh, pretty impressed by a guy I sat like with Sundays this past weekend from I think the band was called Zeus had the had the most fantastic Tom Selleck esque porn mustache. <laughs> and, uh, you guys could compare notes on. So uh, the other guy that doesn't know about much as much about mustaches is Justin Kanaki right here joining us from is this is this Justin Kanaki Central up there? Yes, this is uh, Kanaki HQ. Here in uh, lovely and almost sunny Baltimore, Maryland. Almost sunny, fantastic. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll be talking to you a little bit about your latest project, and uh, and we'll be going from there. But let's get right in for the news uh, this week. Um, what do we have up first here? Uh, Adobe is going to be uh, resuming work on their Flash tool. Of course, the big news from that is Apple has rescinded and really spelled out for the very first time uh, a lot of their policies when it comes to the Apple Store. Rob, you've been following this? Uh, yeah, I have. I was uh, reading up on this two days last night some time ago. Anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, Apple basically came forth and said, you know what, uh, all those restrictions that we had placed on uh Developing applications using third-party software, you can just go ahead and forget about all that. Um, they had previous ban previously banned anything uh, uh, anything like what Adobe had had done with uh, the uh, the Flash. Forget exactly what it's called, the uh, Flash development pool mm -hmm. that would port apps into the App Store, and, and it all worked fine. Um, and they required that all apps had to be written in Objective C, C, C or JavaScript. Um, and executed by the WebKit engine and nothing else. And at this point, they basically just took all that back. So Adobe has gone ahead, and they will uh, resume development work on the... Uh, it's the Packager, that's what it's called, uh, for iPhone uh, future releases. And uh, it'll be continued as part of the Flash professional CS5 authoring tool. So it's good news for developers all around. Life gets cheaper, people like Adobe again, and we can all shake hands. And uh, the few Flash developers that I'm aware of will, will be happy there. They have another platform they can go back to uh, coming up here. Um, some other stuff from the changes. Uh, uh, quote, apps that duplicate that duplicate apps already in the app store may be rejected, uh, particularly if there are many of them. I think the underlining line on this was, hey, no more fart apps. We got enough of them out there. Um, and and it, that was the other thing about this was it was it was kind of in the style of an open letter from Steve Jobs about the app store is what a lot of people felt. Um, so so interesting Apple style when they how they put out there. And they put that out there. Um, there's a little bit more about um, confusingly similar uh, products to existing Apple product or advertising themes will be rejected. Uh, apps that look similar to apps bundled on the iPhone, so a little bit of the same there. Um, no duplicating uh, functions, which I don't think it would have been spelled out before, but it was obvious when they would uh, you know, knock out Safari clones and, and other iTunes stores type 
uh, looking apps. So yeah, they they've been they've been pretty straightforward about you can't duplicate uh, functionality that already exists mm-hmm. on the phone. Um, basically saying like if if we release something that is exclusive to this device, that is our territory, and you can cover everything else. But what I'm uh, I'm I'm kind of curious which direction the uh, the intent behind this was because there's two ways to go about it. You can say well, they can implement this with iAds and get more money in their pocket, which they don't really need. Or you can also look at that um, as to everything we've said about Android being uh, so much easier and cheaper to develop for and now being uh, on so many different devices. This could be uh, a shot at Google uh, providing an easy platform for anybody to make an application. And we did kind of, sus- you know, suspect this, expect this, sus- Suspicious this? Sorry. <laughs> English? I, English, yeah. It's like a third language to me tonight. Um, that as the apps, uh, the Android market uh, keeps growing, so you know, it's, it's all over the place. It's the it's the kind of the de facto smartphone uh, for services like uh, T-Mobile and Verizon. Uh, you might see a little bit of bending in Apple, and I think at least the starting of the, spell out exactly what's going on. They bent on the on the the role that discounted Flash and other compilers. Um, I know there was a question about uh, uh, game development software called Game Salad uh, over the last few months. Um, mm-hmm. So they sent out, I got an email from them immediately when this was released that says, oh, by the way, this happened and we're completely in the clear, so keep using our software. Um, you know, so a, a big sigh of relief for those. I think they just got enough flack from the developer community that they had to, to rescind on it. Do you know if, um, if Packager... Or if there is a packager for Android in, in, in the Flash world? I don't think there is. In the Flash I, I think they're just kind of getting around to, you know, again, not using an Android phone. I'm not terribly, uh, you know, know what's going on there. But apparently uh, they just started including Flash, I think, in Froyo. Yeah. As, as a full-on Flash implementation. But, I mean, it, it's a different kind of... Are you talking about, like, a, a Flash packager would that would make an app out of a Flash yeah, like the same thing that they're net, like allowing. I know that you can basically develop however you want for Android, but this would requirement require um, cooperation from Adobe to create a tool that would let you author a application in Flash and port it to become an Android app. I definitely haven't been hearing any noise about one in the Android side, but uh, I think it's particularly because just the the uh, iPhone store has been more, um, you know, has more. What, uh, not voice around it, but just more, uh, uh, you know, people involved in it. it it's been a bigger deal uh, up until recently. Because so. this only shines as a, an easier way to make applications until there is a way to uh, port Flash applications to Android, and then mm. it's it's fair game again. Which is something that uh, they 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 seem that Apple is trying to get away from is the ability to just kind of dual port, uh, making it making it easier to go across the different platforms. And guys, like I, you know, I talked to a few people that are. Uh, looking at developing games for for both platforms, and are looking for something uh, easy. I think Unity. Uh, I know Unity does uh, iPhone and and like Wii versions uh, ported through their system. I think Android might also be included in that. Um, I, so. I also kind of wonder if uh, if there might have been a deal behind bars here uh, or behind closed doors, rather, saying that we will allow third party application development via Adobe if Adobe agrees to never create an Android export option for the packager. That could be. But when's the last time you hear those guys working with Adobe? <laughs> yeah. so, I don't think now so apparently now yeah exactly. Um, and a flash on your iPhone. There you go. Um, moving on. Uh, let's see. Sorry, I lost my notes here. Um, Google right Instant there. Search, which works <laughs> a lot faster than I do, apparently, uh, got released last week. Um, have you played with it, guys? Uh, yeah, I you can't help but play with it. You're sort of forced into it now. You, you know, it was weird because uh, I, I tried it out when I saw it was announced uh, here at home on my laptop. Didn't see it. Uh, went to work the next day. It was there. I got to play with it a little bit at work, you know, when I should have been working. Um, and and still, it wasn't on my laptop. I was there side by side on the same network. Just wasn't applied across the board. So the rollout was kind of interesting as far as that goes. So, you know, signed in with the same account and everything. 
Um, but it's it's weird. Uh, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if it's going to be useful. And, 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 and like a lot of people are saying, I use the, the Chrome uh, search bar uh, for most of my stuff, so I don't think I'm going to see too much of it. Well, the question yeah. is, if this becomes popular enough, will it be included in the uh, in the anything bar uh, mm-hmm. at the top of Chrome and uh, in the sort of stuff you see in Firefox? I, I'd, I'd be really surprised if a uh, if an extension hasn't already started development for Firefox and then for Chrome that would integrate Google Instant into the address bar. Um, but a lot of people are talking about this as one of those things that Google just does to attract attention, to increase market share, to kind of like, kind of like look busy, keep things moving, keep options open, uh, as opposed to, uh, really important rollouts, which would be things to the tune of like Google TV and purchasing YouTube and the likes of that. Well, they, uh, I know that there's a lot of talk this year about making search even faster, um, a, a lot of the stuff that we see in, in this, uh, you know, in this new implementation is, is, uh, apparently they're recycling popular searches, uh, based on the stuff that you start typing. So that's, that's how they're able to bring up an entire page of results so quick, pretty much with every other keystroke. Um, mm-hmm. I w- I'm wondering, I thought I heard that Android actually has this implemented as well. Um, so I, I'm actually trying to try to do a test, see if it's, it's actually working on, uh, uh, maybe. Um, well, not yet. It's not yet on the mobile. Okay, but they are talking about it? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, so if, if they're implementing it in the mobile space, they're definitely at least toying with implementing it in Chrome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I uh, I mean, this this can go two ways. This, this could be another, another Google project, kind of like Buzz, where it happened and everybody talked about it for a little while, and then it just fizzled off, and it'll be uh, something that sits in Google Labs for quite a while, or uh, it could change the way we think about search, and it could become really awkward to do like what all three of us, you know, grew up with for the most part, as far as the internet is concerned is go to google.com, which is a static page. And then you are sent to another static page that gives you the results, which considering all the other technologies available today is pretty old fashioned. Everything's dynamic. Everything's faster and instant in real time. Uh, And this is as real time as search uh, interaction, like interaction with the algorithm uh, could be for the most part. Um, so I found myself when I first started playing with Google Instant, instead of just typing in the search terms that I'm used to, I was typing a lot slower to see if what I was looking for was popping up anywhere in the results. And if you really get a handle on that and you uh, get a handle on the keyboard shortcuts as well, that really does uh, do amazing things for increasing your your workload. But I don't know if the average person is going to want that experience. I mean, how does it work with like I'm doing a kind of a test with it here? Like okay, so I'm flying by. I see something pop up in this like list of stuff. You know, if I if I back off, I guess if you do back off letters, it'll go back to the to what's there. Let's see. I'm just mm-hmm. uh, testing uh, Google Search. Came with. Let's see, testicular cancer. Um, you know, you can get some really interesting things that are even, you know, just completely off the wall of what you're looking for. Um, CTC reviewing test orders placed on Globex, whatever that is. I don't know. It's uh, it, it's kind of startling. And, and uh, to your comment on, on Google Buzz, I don't think it's going to kind of sit in the side and be forgotten about because it's kind of in your face as far as the implementation, other than turning it off. And that's not by well, default. Buzz was kind of in your face when they first launched that, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It's like, are they going to settle it down? Is there going to be enough of backlash? They'll be like, uh, maybe not make it the default and say, have a little button come up that'll annoy you and say, hey, you can turn on instant search. It's a faster way to search. Just like when I load up Google in any other browser, it asks me to install Chrome. Right. So, And there is a, uh, if you're in instant, I forget where it is because I actually have, it's like instant.google.com, right? Um, there is a button that lets you turn off Google instant if you really want to. But once you turn it on, every time you go to google.com, your first search will load up Google instant. So it's it's still very much so an option, um, and they've they've kind of done this before, much like the day that they uh, they set the background image instead of giving you the option to set the background image, and the whole internet blew up in in rage and fury because Google made a decision for them. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, like Google. I don't know if they just don't know or they're not afraid to throw something out there and see if there's going to be a reaction. 
you know. It always seems kind of like a toss-up. Like I always say, Google is run by engineers, and it shows yeah. a lot. Oh, big time. big time. Their their relationship with users is always kind of scattered. Uh, they will be the first to admit that they are not the best at, you know, making things look good and and uh, and really developing that great relationship with uh, with the, the consumer. Um, kind of the same way a lot of people feel about Apple hardware, where everything kind of works, everything's in the right place. Google is is by no means a trophy winner, uh, trophy winner in that in that field. They just kind of like toss things out there, and a lot of the times, especially in the last year, it's really blown up in their face. Can't really see Google Instant going wrong, but I, uh, yeah, I, I I I have no idea what's going to come of this. I think it's cool. Um, I don't necessarily think it's going to. It, it might be because I feel like I'm pretty talented at using the Googles, if you will. <laughs> Um, but it could also uh, help people learn how to use keywords, learn what different keywords and different phrases result in when you use them in a search engine. Um, and I'm curious to see if like Yahoo and uh, and other search engines are going to start adopting this technology. If that happens, I say it's kind of a kind of a tidal wave that's gonna that's gonna change the search that we look at today. A little bit of sample from the chat room. Uh, Beth's in there says she hasn't played with it yet, but she rarely searches from. Uh, really search from not Chrome, apparently. Uh, which is my <laughs> deal. Um, She's not good with the English either, apparently. I'm, not, I'm sure if I read that better, it, I'll, I'll take the blame for that one. Uh, Lango says he gets distracted while searching now. Um, and, and as far as, uh, the reactions that, uh, Google doesn't care. So you'll be on their internets anyways. So, yeah. um, I would like to just point out that I'm doing a vanity search for Justin Kanaki on Google Instant right now, mm -hmm. and I have to type out at least two letters into my last name before I stop seeing Justin Bieber returns. So thanks, Google oh. Instant. <laughs> oh, how's that? Yeah, yeah, Justin because that's Bieber. all they talk about. He's the only Justin. Okay, and then I got, I got up to JustinKing.com, uh, so free plug for that guy. Uh, I uh, I just I just went to the, do the exact same uh, vanity search test because my my Google juice is pretty good because I have a pretty unique last name. But I uh, about twenty minutes before the show, uh, I found a new Jim uh, Connor video. It's a racing thing with Ken Block, who's a rally driver. And there was a thing. It was a video on YouTube of him racing the skater in a in a go kart, whose name is Rob Dyerdeck. And suddenly, when I type Rob D into Google, now the first, like, 50 results are Rob Dyerdeck. So, um, Google owns me, and sometimes that scares me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're just going to, uh, that vanity search, you're just going to be annoyed at seeing, seeing that when you when you get to that point now. It's like, I'm going to start getting annoyed by seeing news stories for George Michael um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, Michael Savage and Michael Jackson at, at certain points. So, um, Michael Savage, what is this wow. boy? Who, he's a commentator. So Maybe they want you to stop Googling itself. <laughs> that could be. So, um, anyways, moving on. Uh, this is something, actually, Justin, you brought up. I thought it was an interesting uh, 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 service, um, kind of as a content creator myself. And, and of course, uh, you know, you're in the same kind of game there. So, so tell me what Flatter is. Uh, flatter dot com f l a t t r. Uh, it is a way for you to not necessarily donate to, although that's really what it ends up being. But it's a way for you to monetarily support content that you would like. Uh, and basically, the way it breaks down is every month you sort of uh, pay into Flatter. You put like maybe a flat twenty dollars into Flatter, or ten, or five. Mm -hmm. Then throughout the course of the month, as you're looking around at different blog posts, at different uh, podcasts, videos, whatever you happen to be indulging in online, if you like something, you can choose to flatter it. You can, you know, include the um, uh, flatter button in your browser and so forth. And when you mark that as an item to be flattered at the end of the month, what happens on Flatter's end is on the last day of the month, they say, okay, you had $20 in your account and you chose to flatter five different content creators, they all get an equal share of that $20 pot. So they each get four bucks. Now, that might be seem like a lot. You know, you might want to put in less money, or you might want to flatter more people so they don't get less or more, depending on your, your uh, philanthropic endeavor. But the cool thing about it is, you know, I could choose to flatter Awesome Cats, 
so could 40 other people. I might give Austin Cast a dollar because I've flattered many other people. Somebody else has only flattered you one other podcast, so you would split their whole 50-50. So just because you only have a certain number of fans doesn't mean you won't necessarily see a nice amount of cash at the end. And we're still talking like, you know, in the $20 range. It's still like just for server costs and so forth at this point. Mm. Because people have to get over that hump of thinking, oh, I should pay for content. Uh, yes, that's what we're hopefully moving towards here online. And you'll notice that Flatter is uh, European. Uh, they have offices in the UK and Sweden. So their numbers are in euros. A lot of the items that are currently being um, flattered are not in English. So uh, it has yet to really port its way over to the U.S., but I'm interested in seeing what happens when that does take place. Uh, and we start to think about, you know, is this blog that I'm reading every day worth 40 cents at the end of the month? Objectively speaking, yeah, probably it is. But unless they're asking you for that month, or there's an easy way for you to click the button once and then forget about it for the rest of the month, I don't know if you would consciously make that choice at the end of the month. So we'll see how this goes. It's like massive support well, so hypothetically, let me ask you a question, though. Is Flatter something that you would consider using for the media that you create? You know, for me, it, it's it's one of those, it's a great idea, but um, the, the first thought I have for something like Flatter is um, this is going to be the minority, you know what I mean? Um, th this is going to be that engaged minority, and uh, in, in I, I just trying to think about kind of the, the numbers you would have to get in order to get enough people that, you know, know this service, I guess this is something you can push. This is something as like a podcast. I can say, hey, if you really you know like what we're doing, go go to Flatter, sign up, support us, support our podcast, support other creators, or something like that. But I don't know how how well it would catch on. I, I, at least uh, you know maybe you know European cultures, it's maybe a little different. Uh, but uh, for us, I, I I'm not sure that it, it, it'll come, it'll catch on across media creators like us first. To have a respect for other people doing this kind of thing, I think. Um, yeah. Which means we're all going to wind up paying each other, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like we're, <laughs> we're all passing the dollar bill around at at, at some point, you know. Because um, it, it, it's really hard to get the kind of general public. It's like you know, why are tech podcasts the most popular thing on on iTunes? Because we're all tech guys, and we kind of want to like all talk about tech and support each other and make sure that happens. It, it's hard to, I, I don't know. I don't know if, uh, you know, the general sports cast or whatever. And of course, this isn't just that. I mean, it says, I see there you got images, audio, video, software. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's idea. a, uh, I think it, it's a really great idea, but it's one of those things that since it's being rolled out, I mean, it's essentially a startup. It's, uh, we should probably mention that it is founded by Peter Sunde and, uh, Linus Olson, the founders of the Pirate Bay. Um, <laughs> well, that makes, sense, I guess <laughs> that makes perfect sense, right? There you go. But they're actually uh, they they're pretty straightforward about caring about your content and about appropriately pricing your content. And this is totally cool, and the idea is great. But I think it's one of those things that unless it is supported or rolled out by a much larger company, like for instance, if Google rolled this out, everybody would pay attention to it. It might cause enough of a of a shockwave that uh, it becomes something that's just like, you know, say it's built into your browser and there's a button right next to the address yeah. bar that says, you know, Flatter this page. That works really well, but I have a feeling that unless Flatter gets bought by somebody, it's going to be exactly what you're saying is, which is basically, you know, podcasters and authors and content creators, um, you know, handing money over to other content creators who are handing money right back to them, which is great. You know, it's great to help support the community. It creates an infrastructure to pass money around in a mm -hmm. in a way to keep uh, all the industries going. But I I really don't see this taking off like right. worldwide and being super popular. It's almost like this needs to be a button right beside your iTunes subscribe button or your yeah exactly. Uh, it needs to be like integrated with iTunes for podcast. Like it, you should have the option of instead of making your podcasts like pay only uh, as some podcasts are, where you purchase each podcast. You should have the option to, you know, it goes back to the, um, the, uh, uh, who was it? Beck? Was it Beck? The Beck model, I guess. And the Nine Inch Nails model, you could say, where you decide how much you want to pay for something. Where you have the option well, to get uh, it for free, Radiohead, yeah. Radiohead, there we go. That's what I was looking for. Um, where you have the option to, you know, get it for free if you want to. But hey, if you want to give us money too, that would be great. And just giving that opportunity means. When you provide that opportunity, it means the people that might not have given money otherwise, you know, if, if you're just going to throw it up on your website, like say you go to, 
uh, any any mix artist or whatever, you go to their website, they're like, hey, it's free, and that's it, and there's no question. What if I say, you know what, this is free and this is really damn good, how about I give you five bucks for it? If you don't provide that opportunity, you're never going to get your five bucks, so this opens up that opportunity. Exactly. Uh, I, I was actually talking with somebody that wanted to do a, uh, uh, you know, the idea of putting out the, uh, kind of like the Kickstarter program, we'll be talking about a little bit later, uh, where you put out a program and, and put out, you know, if people like this program, uh, you know, donate to it, and hopefully we'll have enough to put out continual episodes, and that's sort of how you, how you imagine something like that. It's, uh, yeah, this is something that's definitely going to be on the radar for a while to see kind of where it goes, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I think they actually announced this um, last year during or right after uh, last year's PodCamp Pittsburgh, because I remember talking uh, about it with a few people from the uh, the intellectual property debate that we had. Mm. And everybody was really excited about it, but it's taken this long for it to actually open up to the public. So they've, they've certainly put a, th- a lot of thought into the infrastructure, but I don't know if the popularity is there. Definitely, and they, and they almost need to when, uh, it, you know, something, you know, as dicey as that, you know, I, especially if I would hope they're they're trying to poise this towards maybe like, uh, you know, big groups like the RAA and stuff um, mm-hmm. to maybe have a solution that they can't figure out for, uh, you know, for this, this sort of payment scheme, I guess. Um, so. Um, I, also, uh, I wanted to mention uh, I actually had a chance last week. To watch the social networks, uh, yes, that Facebook movie. As apparently, <laughs> that Facebook movie. <laughs> I, I well, I went with two people, and both of them were like, I, I just like just out of curiosity, we're sitting there in the theater waiting because you know you go to these previews, you got to wait a while to get there early and get a seat. Um, I'm like, you know the name of this movie, right? And they're like, no, it's the Facebook movie. That's all I knew about it, right? Of course, this is right as they were starting the push on TV to really. Uh, uh, advertise this movie. Now you can't get away from it. I think Monday Night Football was sponsored by this movie. Um, and it doesn't come out till October 1st. So, um, my thoughts, it was actually, as a movie by itself, really damn good. Like, I really recommend it. Um, it's, you know, the, the acting was great. Um, um, it, the, the soundtrack was by the score. You know, not just like a bunch of songs. The score was actually done in part by Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails, and if you're a fan of them, you'll notice um, that's in a good way. Uh, you know, not a lot of screaming or anything. Uh, just a lot of like dark mood to it, which was really surprising. Um, J- Jesse Eisenberg, I think his name is, was really good in it. Uh, really pulled off the uh, you know, if you know any like kind of introverted uh, programmers. Um, that have a few social tics. Like, that's, he fit. It, I know like, no introverted programmer. You don't know, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, that would be um, the weirdest programmer I've ever talked to. <laughs> it's um, all just drinking and chandelier hanging from the ones I know. <laughs> uh, but it's really, it, it, it's, it really is a good movie. I don't want to give too much, like, yeah, what is there to give away? There's a book out about it, and we have Facebook. But, um, but really interesting uh, responses by the crowd. Of course, there's you know all ages, but there was like a few people walking out. Uh, Chachi and myself were heard, overheard one guy that was like, "It's like uh, kind of makes you not want to be on Facebook anymore." It's like, come on, you know, if, if you thought you know use Windows because you thought Bill Gates was an upstanding guy, um, you know, I don't think that's nearly an argument there. But it was just interesting. I'm surprised reaction. that it took somebody until this movie to think, "Should I be on Facebook?" <laughs> yeah, like, have, have you seen the news? Do you read? Do you open your windows? Do you do you leave the house at all? Really? The thing is, no. I'm gonna say uh, the vast majority of Facebook users don't. Yeah, yeah. because they have Facebook. Yeah, yeah. we are. Even though it seems like everybody we talk to say, "Oh, Facebook. Oh, privacy. Oh, Mark Zuckerberg." Everybody knows what you're talking about. We're absolutely living in a bubble, and most people oh, yeah. don't know, don't care. I, I think the only uh, window for this that anybody other than this kind of tech bubble knows about it is because he was on, bar, I don't know, 60 Minutes or something, was it? Yeah, he, he did a few runs of the press circuit, so they say, and and certainly there's been the advertisements on TV, and it's... I, the, the impression I get from talking to people who would be, quote-unquote, outside the bubble is that they don't want to see it because they don't care because they kind of hate Facebook or... Mm-hmm. It's just not interesting. I, I expected to get the same crowd that went to see Antitrust. If you remember that? 
barely. Maybe like that, that says a lot about antitrust. Yeah, yeah, that that was a long time ago. But I was, at, uh, <laughs> Mike, have you seen Antitrust? Uh, I actually own it on DVD. I, I think it's a fun movie. How would you compare this to Antitrust? Would you compare it like as another like corporate well, scheme made it to the big screen? I would, or? Uh, I, I would compare uh, Antitrust to halfway between Hackers and this. Um, okay. I, I more I more kind of relate this to Pirates of Silicon Valley. If, okay. if you caught that, which for those that don't know, it was a made for TBS or TNT movie uh, about 10, 12 years ago about uh, Bill Gates and um, Bill Gates and uh, Steve Jobs, uh, you know, about how they both kind of came up parallel to each other and what they stole off of each other and everything. Um, but no, I think it's completely related to that. Um, a lot better, just a lot better done. I mean, it, it feels like a really good movie, even if you don't even know what a Facebook is. You know, it's. I think it just comes off as a really good story. Um, of course, it's going to be embellished and everything. I'm sure there's a little stuff that's just completely off the wall, not true, but it's still a good story. You know, regardless of what you think of the source material. Um, wh- one thing I noticed because there's a scene at the beginning where it's basically when he comes up with Face Mash, which was the compare to, you know, coeds site that he came up with, like in a rage after a fight with a girlfriend in a night. Um, Sitting there, you know, not really being a programmer, but knowing a little bit, uh, it really, this is the first thing I've seen in a while where it felt like, like the technology dialogue was there, you know, outside of a Star Trek fashion, where they're still kind of making it up. Um, See, but was, was the technology dialogue interesting to a layperson? Um, that it would, I, I think I compared it to, uh, you know, when you, you watch those uh, really high-end um political thrillers you know like a patriot games thing where you don't really understand why this country hates us and and what the plot is but it sounds fascinating and it kind of gets dumbed down in the end you know uh it's kind of like that i think to the rest of the people so it's like er i don't understand what this stent is supposed to do or who's defibrillating what but i know there's a drama yeah, yeah. I I, right. I I know there's there's this, there's something about a bash script and just going in and purling and, and getting all these pictures from the storm and this is how I stole that and there's a bunch of letters and numbers on the screen and and there's a bunch of enough enough witty remarks in there to get keep me interested about something about farm animals and and carry on. You know, this is sort of the first movie that attempts to make this sort of technology that we all take for granted seem like something worth paying attention to on mm-hmm. the back end. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we've seen a lot of movies about making movies, and, you know, movies about making books and so forth, but you have yet to really see a, a drama or a suspense thriller about making a website. How do you make that sexy? Well, you know, 200 years ago, how'd you make a book sexy? But they're stories, so maybe it's will work. Well, I, I tell you how you make it sexy. You make the guy that created Napster, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> which is eye-opening in itself. I didn't know as, as much about the Napster guy uh, as this movie portrayed, uh, which I think, uh, uh, let's see, I've watched, uh, Justin, you, maybe you've seen this, uh, the We Live in Public movie. Um, Why is that ring a bell? It's a documentary about, uh, and I forget his name, it escapes me, uh, you know, I guess I do have Google's instant search at my <laughs> Um, it's about a guy that, uh, he, he started the first kind of streaming ventures. Like he streamed his life. He streamed other people in these kind of, uh, uh, open experiments. Uh, but it really, it, you know, it, it showed a little bit about the like crazy, uh, web two web 1.0 bubble, uh, party atmosphere, you know, that we all hear about. And this is the first kind of mainstream movie. I think that portrays that a bit. Because there's the whole deal where where Zuckerberg moves out to California, uh, Timberlake's character is pretty much trying to schmooze him and tell him how this is how you become a big company and this is how how you become a big deal by acting like a big deal and there's just parties all the time. Uh, if you guys are interested, it's we live in pub, public the movie.com. I believe it was available on Netflix streaming. I don't know if it still is. I think that's where I watched it. Uh, I really recommend it for people that are into this kind of thing. Um, so, what's up? Faces of the last season of Oprah.tumblr.com. Yeah, you're welcome for that. Okay, there you go. Passing that along from the chat room. Um, There's also, uh, as far as uh, big corporate movie adaptations headed our way, there's that Google movie that I mentioned. This is, this is for real. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ken Oletta wrote a book called uh, Google, The End of the World as We Know It. <laughs> and um, it is uh, the rights to the book have been purchased for a future movie uh, do, 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 done by Groundswell Productions. Yeah, I think with, I think this uh, definitely opened the door for that. Because, uh, I mean, I was going to be like, well, the Facebook movie. I don't think it's going to break any <laughs> records or anything, but I think people are still going to look back at it as like, oh, that was a pretty decent movie. So I wonder if um, if now that people are because before like uh, the reason that antitrust didn't get it wasn't a big hit by any standard and there's the TBS movie that only geeks watched mm-hmm. was because everybody was so far removed from Microsoft the biggest complaint people had was that they hated Bill Gates because of the blue screen of death and that's about all they knew mm-hmm. but now everybody has you know they have their alliances people are you know when, when are we going to see the Apple movie and and things like this are we going to see in the same way that right now there's a slew of movies out about what happened to wall street and the the great recession um are we going to start to see a, a slew of movies of all the companies that we've developed this really personal relationship with i think i think you're going to because i mean people are kind of have an interest in uh how did we get here you know um mm-hmm. the documentary type movie and and you know you know facebook microsoft apple are pretty much shaping how we're doing this stuff so yep. I think it's definitely going to be that kind of retrospective look, you know, however that's going to be tinted, you know. Um, Actually, yeah. Sebia Town, apparently, you've seen the previews for the social network. What was that? Apparently it's tinted in Sepia Town, if you've seen the previews for the social network. <laughs> oh, right. It's old-timey. It's old-timey, old-timey tone. You know, I should point out, too, as a film geek, that it's probably helpful that this movie is made by David Fincher, who did, mm-hmm. uh, among other things... Fight Club, Seven, Panic Room. So, in theory, it should hold together as a thriller, or at least a suspense drama, if nothing else. More, more drama, really. And there's only so much thrill you can get from Mark Zuckerberg, but... Yeah, yeah, I mean, co- coding coding a website can only get so exciting. I mean, the, the biggest arguments in this movie are over uh, intellectual property and uh, whose name's on the masthead. So... You know, uh, there you go. I just spoiled the, the social network for you. Oh, sorry about that. Watch <laughs> you know I what? can only hope that that some kids, some students, uh, people who are, in, are are just getting started in uh, in these industries are going to watch this movie and actually like take them some thought into intellectual property. Because I've talked to way too many kids fresh out of college who don't understand ideas mm-hmm. like trademark, copyright, patent. Like, what's wrong with the system? What's right with the system? Oh, and yeah. how you should oh, treat yeah. your I, own I, and other's work. They shoehorn at the art institute. They shoehorn that into one quarter, and they even said like this is like two years of you know IP and college that we're squeezing in here to make sure you guys get it. So there you go. Um, all right, real quick, I want to talk about our affiliate uh, this week. Of course, uh, we've been talking about a few weeks. Backblaze.com. Uh, we're supporting us through the show. Uh, we had a really good anecdote that came out of no- nowhere last week. On the Wrestling Mayhem show, DJ Lunchbox, Will on there. Um, he had a 500 gigabyte hard drive that had all the pictures, music, comic books, movies, pictures from like high school. Okay, and he's you know about my age. Gone. Didn't have them backed up. Apparently, he's looking through old DVDs and everything on there. He held up the brick of a hard drive. Said, "I should have had Backblaze. I, I should have had a backup. I should I should have something like that." Um, you know, all you guys, you know, we're all taking pictures. We all have digital cameras. Does anybody have film anymore? Rob, photo guy, does anybody use film on a regular basis? Uh, only geeks. Only geeks. There you go. Geeks like me. I, I actually have a big box full of film just to the left of me on my desk. <laughs> but for the most part, it's pretty safe. But on the right side of my desk, I should say I have a Drobo that holds all of my photos. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There's there's the Drobo option. you got to have something local, of course, to back things up. We've all re- already, most of us are thinking about that. But you got to have something in case that dro- something happens at Drobo, it sparks, it catches on fire. Not to say anything about the quality of Drobo. I like that product, too, and hope to have one in the future myself. Um, but, uh, but you need to have something off-site in case the worst happens and, and, and all those backups you have in your house are gone. Uh, so so please go over to AwesomeCast.com. Click, click the affiliate link if you want to check it out. It's only $5 a month. It's unlimited. Uh, I have all this operation backed up up there and and i had a scary moment where my hard drive uh decided it wasn't going to be verified on my mac and it told me to back up 
everything I can and uh, reformat on a terabyte hard drive. So one of those moments, like, you know, covered everything off, and I knew if anything went wrong, I still have everything online. So go check it out, uh, Backblaze. So, uh, so Justin, uh, let's talk a little bit about your new project here. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so tell us <laughs> about the baristas. Okay. So, uh, the baristas is about to become a sitcom. It takes place in the city of Pittsburgh in the cafe called Affogato in the suburb of Bellevue. Um, and it's a spinoff from Something to be Desired, which was the Pittsburgh-based sitcom that we've been doing since 2003. And The Baristas is sort of a solution to a problem that we developed with Something to be Desired, which was um, how do you continue to produce an ongoing comedy when its creator no longer lives in Pittsburgh? Hi, that's me here in Baltimore. So uh, when I moved last year from Pittsburgh to Baltimore, the cast obviously all remained in Pittsburgh, and we're very interested in continuing to do something. But as the writer and producer and director and camera guy and editor of the show for the past six years, it's hard to do the show if I'm not standing there. So we figured out, how can we make this a smaller, faster, easier to produce show? And the solution was only shoot it like a, you know, a standard um, 70s or 80s sitcom where you have one location. You know, Mary Tyler Moore took place primarily in the newsroom. Cheers took place in the bar. Night Court took place where? In a night court. So, if the barista takes place in a cafe, that's what we're going to end up doing. Excellent. Sure. <laughs> um, now, uh, you're, you're taking kind of a novel approach. Uh, I know we talked uh, before on the Mayhem show uh, to Chris Ma Maverick that was uh, trying to put out the next book in this series, Cosmic Hellcats. Use the same site you're using. Uh, now, now, tell us about Kickstarter and the process there. Sure. Uh, Kickstarter.com is uh, probably the best known the crowdfunding sites that are out there. So what you do is you create a project, and it can be anywhere in the cycle of the project, from a brand new project like The Baristas to you know a film or a book or a um, album that you're just trying to get the finishing funds to wrap up. And you post samples of the work and an explanation of what you'd like to do to, uh, you know, to wrap everything up, how to accomplish your goal, and list how much money it is you think you need, where the money's going to go, generally speaking, and a bunch of perks for the people who would like to support you. Because it, a lot of the the methodology behind Kickstarter is very similar to if you're going to become a patron of the symphony or the theater, you know, you like what they do, you want to support them, uh, you have no problem giving them some cash. And to make it easier for you, they give you some suggestions. Like, for 20 bucks, you get this handy tote bag. You know? But if you want to support, uh, you know, in Pittsburgh, WIEP, for 50 bucks, maybe you get the tote bag and the CD a week, right? So, Kickstarter works kind of the same way. You, as a project creator, get to say, alright, supporters, for a dollar, for five dollars, we can give you this perk, whatever that perk might be all the way up to as much money as you would like to make available at a one-time uh, donation to the project. Uh, the trick with Kickstarter, though, is, for example, our project is a $3,000 project to kick off the baristas, and this cash would primarily be used to uh, feed, cast, transport them, so we all live directly to the cafe, uh, promote the show, and handle some equipment costs for extra microphones and tapes, things of that nature. All right, $3,000. Not necessarily a lot of money. Um, however, if we only get $2,995 by the time the project ends, we actually get none of it. Kickstarter is an all-or-nothing solution. So you've really got to find a way to mobilize your fan base. And you actually find out your fan base is on Kickstarter pretty quickly because... Uh, you know, if people aren't responding to you fast enough, they might not actually want to see what it is you're producing in the place. You can take that as a fair warning in advance before you sink too much time and money into something nobody really wants to see you do. But we're over the halfway point, so they actually want to see us do it. At least if we get there now. We're pushing Excellent. the boulder down. At, at this point, uh, according to Kickstarter tonight, uh, you're you're about you got seven day seven days to go, and you're at fifteen hundred eighty dollars. Uh, with 46 people have stepped up. 
Yeah, that's the cool thing. We have a lot of people who are uh, donating a five to fifteen dollar range, which is pretty standard for Kickstarter. Um, so what we try to do to give them a pretty cool perk, I think, is at the twenty-five dollar range or above, what you get is a vote on casting. See, the show is about baristas, uh, people who work at the cafe, and all the regulars who come in. We're creating a community, basically, that you know is very similar to New Corner Cafe, except hopefully funnier and possibly sexier, but definitely funnier and probably sexier. But we have six baristas on the show, or we're going to. We've cast five of them. Two are characters that are coming over from something to be desired. Uh, three of them have been cast for the audition that we held last month at Pittsburgh Makers, and there is one more open role. And that role is going to be filled by one of the remaining uh, contenders. Not to get too American Idolish on you, but that's sort of what it's like. We're going to be filming a uh, test scene with each of our callback actors this Sunday, right after PodCamp Pittsburgh. And then those um, test scenes will go up so that anybody who's backed our project at 25 bucks or above gets a vote on which of those actors they think should fill this final role. So little star-making capabilities there. And the more you back, uh, the more votes you get. So if you back for 100, you actually get four votes. That's yeah, it. So there's, there's options for uh, you get a t-shirt after so much. Uh, the votes, like you said, they, they, they start naming characters after you at some point. Yes, uh, if you would so. like to give a uh, significant amount of money, for us it starts in the three-figure range. Uh, if you're that passionate about the show, we're passionate <laughs> about you. So we're going to name a character on the show after you. And uh, the more money that you give, the more prominent of a character your name can be applied to. For example, you might get you know, a second cousin that we talk about once on the show. That could be a character. But if you give us a lot of support, we could name that six three Excellent. Uh, yeah, bear with us. We are having a little bit of bandwidth problem, I think, with Justin over there. Uh, the, the the Baltimore uh, bandwidth is apparently very suspect. Uh, yeah, so... that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, we had such a good connection from Russia that one time. Um, we did. So that means Baltimore, maybe a third world country. Who knows? It could be Comcast, yeah. Could be Comcast. Uh, Blame the mayor. Throttled. Um, but anyways, uh, so so uh, you know, aside from the obvious monetary feedback, I mean, have you gotten a lot of uh, 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 I'm gonna say press, but any, any any kind of kind of feedback from people about this? Any, anybody like not down with this idea uh, vocally? Uh, we well, it's been interesting. There's been some people who have wanted to support the project and have contacted me through Facebook or even through comments on Kickstarter, and they've said, you know. You're asking a lot. You're asking 25 bucks. I need to see scripts. I need to see uh, like a business plan. What do you expect to do with the show? So that's an interesting thing because, you know, on one hand, you look at it like, oh, it's a fan who wants to support the show. People who are either familiar with our work on something to be desired for the past six years or people who just, you know, find the project amusing or interesting in some way, the vast majority of them have a problem with sort of shipping in and seeing where it goes because... Really, we're not dealing with a large amount of money per person. But other people, you know, who uh, take a much more clinical view of these things, uh, sort of take it to task for it. And I wouldn't say that's a bad thing necessarily, because it makes you sort of man up and say, okay, well, here actually is our plan. You know, we're not just some fly-by-night organization. This is how we're doing it, and this is our six years worth of the video show to prove that we know how to do this. You know, something to be desired, nominated for awards. We did that before we could do it. And we will. It's like Beth in the chat room is kind of laying out her own plan. For $25, you don't get scripts. Maybe $250, you can pitch us a story idea. For $2,500, then maybe we'll talk scripts. I like that. Yeah. Is, is Beth volunteering to be my agent? There you go. There you go. Um, we'll have to get you guys talking to PodCamp. Uh, so, uh, speaking of which, PodCamp Pittsburgh 5, uh, you are, I think I've been calling you the godfather of, of PodCamp Pittsburgh lately. There, Justin. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a positive. Uh, I haven't put any cement shoes on anyone recently, so no, no, uh, no. We'll see how the event goes before any of that goes down. Um, <laughs> so, so what? What's it like now? You you stepped away, of course, moving to Baltimore. Uh, some other people have taken the reins. Um, might be in this room. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe might be on the chat line. Maybe. Uh, maybe a lot of emails in my email box. Uh, there he is. Whoa. 
Whoa, he's looking at you. He, he does a judging whoa, eye. Oh. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna take out a scorecard this weekend and uh, and judge it on pod campiness. Uh, so how's it feel? Uh, you know, five years later, and God, it's still around. That's how I feel about most things in my life. Oh my God, it's been five years and it's still around. <laughs> No, uh, I'm actually really proud of the fact that PodCamp is going on because, um, you know, we did start it five years ago on a whim just to see if there even was an audience in Pittsburgh that was producing content and wanted to talk about it. And that's where the idea started. And now, five years later, that social media is taken for granted by a lot of people. You know, uh, it's no longer the, the weird, ugly kid in the room. It's the slightly more attractive kid that you're willing to sit next to but still don't want to touch so social media is becoming cooler all the time, and we, as a result, are getting, as you know, a huge influx of various kinds of people who want to learn about the business aspects, the monetization aspects, uh, the curation aspects. You know, maybe I don't want to create, but I want to find better ways to promote what I do like, things like that. So the, the original concept of podcast is sort of evolved to a point where it doesn't even resemble what we started with, and I think it's actually a good thing that I'm not necessarily involved with it on a day-to-day basis now because I like to let somebody else get run with it and make it theirs. You can change the name, too, if you want to. You can take my picture off the website. You can make my picture on the website bigger. Whatever you want to do. Is your picture even on the website? I, I can't remember. Uh, your, your name's no. around. I know that. Um, <laughs> so, I think it's an uh, SEO keyword. What's that? I think my name is an SEO keyword. So. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's out there a bit. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, what are you looking for? I mean, have you, have you looked at the schedule? Have you seen what we have in store this week? You're doing a session, right? Yeah, I'm doing a, a 10 a.m. session on Saturday called um, How to Create Content Matters to Entertain, Engage, and People, which I do all three of those fairly well. So we'll see how that goes. Excellent. <laughs> but no, we have a lot of... of uh, content this time around. We have uh, two floors worth of, uh, of rooms dedicated to sessions, which we haven't had before, so it's very cool. Yeah, it's, uh, the schedule's for the most part filled. Uh, I think there might be like... I, no, actually, they, they filled all the spots, and they opened another room, I think, officially today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, we had, a, we had a bunch of people at the very last minute who... Uh, I, just, I, I hope they're listening so they have fair warning. I'm going to kick all of you in the shins. <laughs> but um part of podcamp you know is is like being able to say if you've got something to talk about you don't have to be a professional or anything uh but they have contacted us as you know in the last week so we had to squeeze in uh, a handful of people who who had some good things to talk about and we are jam-packed with fun interesting educational fun things and for a free event, that sounds pretty good. For a free two-day event on top of it, sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we have a million stickers, I should also say. They're all if in you a are, right beside If you're you. a fan of stickers, we have a lot of stickers, and we need to get rid of uh, 2,000 of them, I think. So, so by there, the there was, everybody gets four at this point. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there, there was a slight mix-up, and, and uh, we received three times the amount of stickers uh, that that we asked for, but I love Sticker Giant all the same because I love stickers and I have three times the amount of stickers I wanted, so I really win all around. That's a real and, you know, when I when I was a child, very small, um, <laughs> very small child. You, there, I was I was weak. Yeah, my mother will tell you the story sometime if you if you ask. Uh, she loves to tell the story. She woke up one day from a nap and found that I had covered our poodle in stickers from head to toe. <laughs> And the fascinating part about that to all of us as we think about it now is the poodle sat there. He's like, all right, cover with stickers. That's cool. <laughs> he wasn't thinking about what happened after you put the stickers on him. He had no idea that taking them off would be an unpleasant situation. So I feel bad about just telling that story right now. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> of course, real quick, I want to get to, of course, there'll be a, a few more sessions by us here. Rob, hey, what are you doing at PodCamp? Um, I'm I'm gonna be awesome. That's that's what I just said in the is chat it, room. It, <laughs> uh, I actually I do have I finally because I am uh, I'm doing a session with uh, with Jay from uh, Full Stop Interactive, and he got married last weekend, which was great. Uh, congratulations! 
and all that, but it meant that I didn't have uh, communication with my partner for the last week, and everybody was saying, hey, you guys need your session title before we kick you off, even though you're an organizer, because nobody knows what you're doing. So uh, what we are doing is, uh, it's called Enough Already, How to Suck Less on Twitter. Um, our uh, description is, let's be honest, Twitter is more than noise than signal, and you, you may be part of the problem. Whether you're tweeting for fun or tweeting because it's your job, Rob and Jay give you tips on how to be more focused, more informative, more interesting, more funny, or at least more bearable on Twitter. I'm looking at you, all of you. So so it's like a, a Twitikit. Uh, yeah, definitely like a Twitikit. Yeah. Definitely. Basically, what it comes down to is a lot of people have, you know, everybody has a Twitter account now for the most part, but very few people are actually putting some thought into what they're doing. It's just kind of spewing it out, or they're putting the wrong kind of thought, you know, pandering to your followers, not being honest with yourself, and it means that you generate noise as well as what you're reading is packed full of noise. And, uh, and there's just there's a handful of things, a handful of ideas that we'd like to just toss around and mention, get a few people thinking about, and it'll be good for the, uh, the user, the individual, uh, the content creator, as well as the uh, individual who might be representing a company uh, and trying to develop relationships with their customers using Twitter. I'm sure I've violated it all at some point. Uh, I've actually taken to going back to the roots of Twitter and uh, tweeting when I'm eating for lunch. You know, I should I should maybe mention also that um, the characters from the baristas are tweeting now as of today. It has begun. We're not going to put the uh, video episodes up until 2011. So uh, as a lead up to it, the characters have begun to interact on Twitter and you can follow them all in one channel and see them all bounce off each other. So if you are wondering what our sense of humor will be like on the show, good lord, it's all there, and a lot of it is very inappropriate. So is this, uh, uh, has, has there been a much uh, character tweeting going on? I mean, you know, closest I can think of uh, for, that I've seen is uh, professional wrestlers have their own Twitter accounts, but that's, pretty, that's usually geared towards their own personalities and everything. Uh, but, but have you seen too much for, for like show Twitters like that? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I guess maybe the, the big example there is uh, a couple of years ago when fans of Mad Men created the Mad Men characters on Twitter and had them all interacting with each other uh, without AMC approving that or knowing about it until it was too late. So if you remember that it went into a huge issue with the DMCA takedown notice and blah, 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 and now in the end AMC owns those characters profiles. But the show got really popular on Twitter, in part because the characters were portraying themselves as real individuals. Real individuals. Awesome. Awesome. And of course, uh, I'll be doing a lot of stuff at PodCamp myself. Uh, I think I've kind of five sessions I'm attached to at this point. Um, you can check me out at the... I can't even find them. We're going to be doing a We're Still Here session with our friends at Should I Drink That and uh, and Berg's Eye View, uh, the guys that have been around since the first podcast. So uh, I'm kind of akinning it to your old uh, uh, success podcast uh, that, that I had the pleasure of being on, Justin. Um, so, it, But more to the tone of how do you keep it going? You know, how, mm. how do you keep the faith and keep doing it? Uh, so we'll be talking with Hutch, Father Spoon, uh, DJ Lunchbox will be on that panel. And then uh, I will apparently teach you most of what you need to know about getting started about podcasting. As I'll be doing the one-on-one session with Hutch from Berg's Eye View. Uh, we'll, we'll actually titled Picking Up the Mic and then 201. So it's more than just picking up a mic. Uh, so we'll be talking about a little bit uh, of what I've learned the five years I've been doing this. Uh, that's going to be geared towards audio podcasting, which is definitely much easier than all of this. So we won't even touch on this stuff. Um, and uh, also, I'll be doing the 201 for video podcasting on Sunday, where right after that, I'll be talking about the tools in that session that we'll be doing to do this show live right at PodCamp. I'm going to bring uh, some, some, of the, some of the equipment, and we'll do an on-the-spot show that you guys can participate in. Uh, we'll be uh, you know, hopefully bringing up a lot of subjects from PodCamp from the weekend, because you never know what's going to come up. You know, maybe it's the next bacon or something. So, uh, so uh, yo, we're looking forward to it. You know, who knows how it's going to go? Oh, it's going to go awesome. Come on. So it's four years it, down. It's been a great four years. Uh, it, 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 I can't wait to see how many people, you know, we run into, how, you know, meeting new people 
uh, gaining some new ideas. Uh, it, it's a good time. You so. give too much, Mike. What's that? You just give too much. I give too much. So, all right. Any, now, any... when we talk about the six four nine shot. Oh, oh, yeah. You know what? I actually had uh, Nero for uh, used to the Yoffle show was asking about the six four nine the other night. Uh, thankfully, I had three videos to forward him um, about what exactly it is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if if you if you want to uh, uh, see what that is, uh, search six four nine and Podcamp Pittsburgh over there on uh, on uh, you know the YouTube's. And you can figure that out. Or uh, join us Saturday night for the, the after party. Uh, details to come on that. I think they're still narrowing down where we're going. But it's been pretty impromptu the last few years, too. So mm-hmm. and all that information, podcamppittsburgh.com. This weekend, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, it will be streamed live. Thanks to our friends at vivolive.com. Um, and uh, you'll be able to be there. Uh, we'll have people manning the chat rooms. So you'll be able to participate if, if, you, know, if you want to. So... Uh, any final words on podcast before we head out of here? Stickers. Stickers. Get your stickers. <laughs> Get your swag. It's a swagathon. Uh, oh, oh, I also have, uh, we received our t-shirts today and they are sexy. Yes, I saw the picture on, on Twitter today. Yeah. Damn Thank sexy. you, uh, Commonwealth Press. The t-shirts are sexy. You'll be happy to be wearing a sexy t-shirt and you'll feel sexy wearing your podcast t-shirt. Excellent. Justin, any final words there? free it's good that's good can't beat it free and there's food we're feeding you too there is food there will be uh food well provided. let's let's clarify we're not physically feeding you the food is there you can feed yourself <laughs> if you ask really nice if you tip me i will feed you how about that there you go there you go yeah. there, you, you, you heard it here uh so i will eat a moth if you dare me and if you pay me i will put food in your mouth you give too much, Rob. You give too much. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, so, hey, Justin, uh, where, where can they check out your stuff and and donate to your fine cause? Uh, the easiest way to get there is thebaristas.com. Uh, and from there, you can donate to us on uh, kickstarter.com. We have a widget right there on the baristas that will take you to the Kickstarter project. So we have a week to go to get funded. We have some other surprises coming up, some other updates to send out to our backers, let them know all the cool stuff that's happening. So uh, it's a good time to be creative in the city of Pittsburgh. Even if you're in Baltimore. I'm always in Pittsburgh. <laughs> in some fashion. Um, and where can they find those uh, Twitters uh, for for the characters? Oh, uh, you know, the Baristas TV is the name of the Twitter account. And there is a list on the Baristas TV that has all of the characters embedded. So if you just go and follow that list, you'll get every update as it comes up. Excellent. So go check that out. And of course, uh, Rob, what do you got going on? Uh, well, you got PodCamp. I got PodCamp. Also, uh, this Friday, nationwide, worldwide, kind of, sort of, uh, is Parking Day. If you're familiar with Parking Day, that's uh, the day where... You take your parking space, or your business parking space, or whatever you've got, even the parking spot you use in front of your house, and you turn it into a uh, into a little garden space. Make it a place you're not putting a car. You can uh, play some chess, put down some turf, maybe some tables, serve some coffee, have a good time. I'm going to be helping out uh, Bike Pittsburgh with their parking spot in uh, Oakland, and uh, and I'll probably be running around taking photographs of all the parking spots in the uh, in the city. If you go to uh, if you go to Google and search for Parking Day, you'll find the website, the main website. And I'm sure there'll be a massive list for uh, whatever your locale may be. I know there's like, last I checked, there was something like 50 or so registered parking spots in Pittsburgh that were going to be uh, transformed into a, a greener space. Um, and uh, like I said, it's all over the place, so you should check that out. Otherwise, it's all PodCamp, PodCamp, stickers, t-shirts, PodCamp, PodCamp. Um, and uh, and last-minute session details, as always. So I'll be working on that. And if you want to hear me complain about podcast stickers, T-shirts, or being sexy, I'm on the Twitter, at R-O-B-J-D-L-C. Excellent. And, of course, you can find anything I'm involved with over at Sargatronmedia.com. I have a few posts up from this last week on my blog at Sargatron.com. Uh, of course, a social network review, uh, as well as a review of a local artist, Amok. Uh, whose his album just came out. I guess it came out in May. I'm a little late to the party. Uh, but go check that out. We interviewed him last week. Uh, check out Music Fun Time Show. We have some interviews coming up there from this past weekend at Liquid Sundays and uh, maybe some other content from that. 
and uh, Wrestling Mayhem Show if you want to check that out too, and all kinds of random stuff. Chachi says he's still doing that. He want, he needs to figure out his next phone. So all you tech heads go watch his latest episode. Uh, until then, thank you, Justin, for joining us. I hope you come back. I hope the technology didn't scare you away. I'm always scared, Mike. So well, that's I, true. It just wants to. That's true. And until then, we'll see you guys next time right here on the Awesome Cast. Justin Kanaki, creator of the hit web series Something to Be Desired, and I'm drinking a cup of coffee in my kitchen, alone, and that's pathetic. See, in 2003, I created Something to Be Desired, a web-based sitcom about life after college. The show ran from 2003 until 2009, and over the years, we created hundreds of episodes that were watched hundreds of thousands of times. In 2008, the show was even nominated for a Yahoo Video Award for Best Web Series. All in all, not too bad. But then, in 2009, I moved to Baltimore, while the entire cast stayed in Pittsburgh, where they lived. So, how does someone continue to produce a show with dozens of characters, multiple locations, one camera, and no budget from a distance? You don't. You just do not do that. Then, we had an idea. All we have to do is shrink the cast, shoot in one location, and tell a great story. One of the locations we regularly filmed in was a cafe in the suburbs of Pittsburgh called Affogato. Some of the show's characters were baristas who work there, regulars who come in every day, and still others stopped through for their daily dose of caffeine on their way to work, or to see their mistresses, or whatever it is people actually do when they leave their house. In short, The Baristas will be a show unlike any other on the internet, mostly because it's going to be funny. It'll feature some old faces from Something to be Desired, some new faces you've never seen before, and if you've never seen Something to be Desired, they're all new faces. We'll have one new episode every week, and some online elements to help you interact with the show, if you choose. Plus, if you help us fund the first 13 episodes of the show, we'll give you an opportunity to decide what the show looks like. We'll be casting the role of at least one new barista before the show begins production. And if you pledge at least $25 or more to help fund the show, we'll let you help decide which of the many actors who reads for the role gets cast. Interested? Hell yes, you're interested. Great, here's what you do. If you're watching this video on Kickstarter.com, you'll see some ways that you can chip in to help the show get funded. And you'll see what you get in return. Some pretty cool stuff. If you're watching this video someplace other than Kickstarter, go to Kickstarter. And remember, for only $25, you can help decide who lives and who dies. I mean, who gets cast. Same thing. <laughs>